0: of salvation is answered in the Bible. And lesson three of that uh, lesson was on salvation. And a, some of this lesson is going to be a little redundant. Uh, uh, Brother Sam's last couple of weeks, some of the points made uh, were made in his lesson, lessons. So we'll be, uh, some of us will be repetitive, but um, uh, got some new, some things that are new um, the quest, this question what must I do to be saved in Acts 1630 uh, was asked by the Philippian jailer when Paul and Silas were in prison and if you'll recall the story they were in prison because they would driven out a, a, di, divine, a spirit of divina, divination from a slave girl who made her owners a lot of money and so they were upset because their uh, their their money had had now was now gone, so they had uh, Paul and Silas put in prison. So that's how that's how this lesson begins. Um, what must I do to be saved? We're gonna Brother Brownlow breaks this down grammatically. Uh, what? Okay, so what is what is a pronoun, and it suggests that there is something that man must do to be saved. Must is a verb, meaning it is not an option, it is a requirement, or you're not going to get the end goal, and that is to be saved. I is a pronoun, meaning an individual, and an individual's personal responsibility. In other words, nobody can do this for you. You've got to do it yourself. Philippians 2.12 says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, do means is a verb meaning it's a required action and the goal is to be saved and if you don't do it you're not going to be saved. Um, to is a preposition meaning to accomplish an end goal. Um, uh, be another verb meaning to occur. And saved is the verb meaning a state of condition sought by the one who asked the question. So to be saved is the end goal of the one who has asked the question. Jesus Christ is the one doing the saving. And the questioner is the one wanting to be saved. So, you know, he he gets down on a very, uh, you know, basic uh level here to go through this sentence and kind of do a diagram of the sentence grammatically and um but because of all the error that has happened in our religious world, you know I think that's probably why Brother Brownlow did this he was there's so much error in the, in the uh religious world that he had to get down. To diagram in a sentence grammatically just to, to explain what you do to be saved when, you know, really the, the plan of salvation is, is very simple. It was never meant to be as complicated as man has turned out, made it out to be. So um, that's all I could figure out is the reason that this was uh, made into a diagram of a sentence like that. And, uh, but we see how much error there is. I mean, the sinner's prayer and all those kinds of things, and we'll get into some of that. Uh, but uh, that's how Brother Brownlow starts the lesson. Is there a need for, for salvation? Well, uh, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's found in First Timothy chapter 2. Verses through six, you know, God doesn't want any of us to perish. He uh, loved us so much that He sent His only Son, and we see that in John three sixteen. But the, you know, the the actions of the believer do not end at belief. Only one must believe, and that will make the proceed to obey the gospel and repent be baptized to cleanse them from their sins as we see in first peter 3 8 through 21 you know it's putting off of the filth of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience toward god um and as i said in second Peter 3 9 it talks about the lord is patient not wanting anyone to perish but all to come to the knowledge of repentance. Um, You know, with all the evil that seems like it's going on in the world now, and uh, it seems like there's a lot, you wonder just why is the Lord letting the world stand the way He is? Well, the only thing, I think Brother Sam has made point before. The only thing that I can really think of is the Lord is patient. And this you know, 2 Peter 3, 9. He wants us all uh, to repent and as many people come to, uh, you know, become Christians as it can. And, uh, you know, I guess when that situation, you know, is no longer the case, when people aren't becoming Christians, you know, it may not be, it may be that the Lord will in, in the world. Of course, we don't know the day or the hour or, and not even Christ knows that, but that's uh, there's a need for salvation, and the time, you know, is now for that. Uh, so we'll move on unless anybody has any questions or comments. Um, so, what is the what is the problem? The problem of, is sin, lawlessness, or breaking of God's law. 1 John three. Four creates a as it says in First John three four, creates a separation from God. You know, when we sin, we're separated from God. We miss the mark, and so Jesus had to come and die for us because the blood of bulls and goats, uh, as we see in Hebrews ten, we see that that's not going to to save us. The blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament. Under the old law, so it took Jesus to um, to, um, to save us. The unrighteousness or a failure to obey God's commands is a, a, the other problem. That's First John 5:17, um, Jesus know, knew that He was the only one who could who could fulfill the old law and keep it perfectly, and He did that. And so the the old law was taken away, under his uh, under his uh, reign when he came here to earth. Knowing to do good but not doing it uh, is the sin of omission. Sins of omission. That's in James four seventeen. That's another problem. And I think we discussed that pretty thoroughly back in uh, when I lesson. Uh, I guess it was 10, on lessons of omission and commission there. So, um, you know, there's, there's all, 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 a lot of ways to miss the mark, both uh, actions that you do and actions that you don't do. The violation of one's own conscience in Rome 1423 and the example of eating meat that was, may offend uh, another Christian uh, another one of those kinds of conscious type, um, you know, offenses may have, may have happened in the last few years with this virus, you know. There's been so many different um, opinions as to how the virus started and how to treat it. And, you know, a lot of, lot of our freedoms have kind of been taken away from us somewhat in that um, I would say that that would be another one of these examples of like eating, eating of meat that may offend someone. You know, it's just been so much, uh, so much, so many things said during all of that that it was, you know, it was it kind of did a little bit of division in the church. You know, just you know how how people thought about this virus and whatnot. So, you know, there's. I never thought I'd see another example of that, of this uh, eating meat, you know, type thing. The, you know that's talked about in Romans, but it sort of, kind of. It seems like it's coming and going, isn't it? Okay, thanks, Tim. But that was seems like it's uh, an, uh, another one of these things that was, you know, kind of a division amongst us. So uh, something to keep in mind. So, if we don't have any questions or comments, we'll keep going here. Um, some of this information is from this lesson that we had a uh, a year or two back, but I thought they were it was good, and uh, I you know I so I included in this lesson. What provisions have made for? Seems like it's still coming and going a little bit, Tim. Uh, okay. Um, man could not initiate anything to save himself from his sinful state as stated by Solomon. He said this in Proverbs 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean and I am pure from my sin? Well, nobody can say that. We've all sinned. Um, as we said earlier, the Mosaic law could not forgive sins um, we talked about in Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, uh, but it, all they did was roll. I think I ought to get the other one. Yeah. I think we're going to change out to the first one there and see if we can do a little better. Uh, Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, um, talks about how the blood of bulls and goats were never meant to uh, to cleanse sins. Okay, let's try this one. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. All right. Um, so the blood of bulls and goats were never meant to cleanse, cleanse our sins, and you know God had a had a, a found a a uh, new plan from the foundation of the world to send His Son, and we see that in John three sixteen. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And uh, so, you know, Romans 5, 8 through 11, God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, you know, we were condemned and we were condemned uh, before Jesus came. And really, you know, at the transfiguration with uh, Moses and Elijah, you know, what, what they talked about with Jesus was, you know, it's interesting if you go back and read, read, that, uh, read those accounts there. What they talked about with Jesus was his coming crucifixion. Because without it, then their sins weren't going to be, uh, you know, cleansed. Because the, uh, the cross went not only went forward and cleansed our sins, but it went back and cleansed the sins of the Old Testament, all the people in the Old Testament. So, um, we were condemned already, and Christ came and got us out of that. He, in a way, he kind of got us a get-out-of-jail card, or, and, uh, to, to really put it more frankly, he got us a get-out-of-hell-charge, uh, uh, card. So, uh, Without that, we would not be saved. While we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 1 and 4, and 4 and 5. Christ laid down his life for us, 1 John 3, 16, and he sent his only son to be the propitiation for our sins. Brother Larry talked about this a few weeks ago the propitiation. And what that mainly means is an appeasement, uh, to what a, something that appeases a God. In our case, of course, the God of the universe, um, that you know, without which he's he's not satisfied, or it would it took it took Jesus a um, unblemished lamb, a, a sinless. Uh, being to come to this earth to die on the cross for us or that, uh, that satisfaction would not be done or that perpetuation would not have happened. So um, that's always been kind of a, a complicated thing to, to really grasp, but um, just, just realize that all of these sacrifices that were done by all these priests on all these holy days and on the Sabbaths really would have been sort of in vain if it wouldn't have been for Christ coming to actually cleanse us of all these, of our sins. So, um, so what, how, how can we answer the question of salvation? Or how can we find out what we need to do well, it's not with feelings, opinions, or prejudice. Um, it's, the sinner's prayer is not going to sa- save you because it's nowhere in the Bible or any of these other things that some of, the, some of our denominational friends say. Uh, if we study the, the New Testament, we'll see that uh, four times in the New Testament, the um, once before the old law ended, and one to begin the, uh, the church, and two more times after the church had begun, are, is the question of how can, we, how can we, what do we have to do to be saved? That's what is asked. And so we're going to get into those particular instances and kind of go through each one of them. And we'll go through a few other instances, too, that are uh, similar. So the first time was with the rich young ruler, and this was under the old law, and Jesus was still uh, in his ministry, and he was still uh, going about his ministry. He said, the rich young ruler, in Mark 10, 17, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And if you'll recall, the rich young ruler was he was a good person. He trying to um, he was trying to keep the old law, and, but he was kind of not fully committed there. It, so it seems. He um, seemed to be like maybe checking off a, a, a checklist or something of salvation point. So he Asked Jesus, what does he need to do to be saved? And, of course, Jesus, you know, kind of told him that it was a major, you know, you've got to be committed. You can't just um, do, you know, a little checklist here to be saved. You've got to be fully committed. Told him about the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses and you know, they asked him if he'd been doing that, and he said, "Yeah, I've kept all that from my youth." And but he told him, he said, "Well, there's more than that you got to do. You got to sell your goods, give it to the poor, and follow him." And Mark 10:21. So Jesus knew his heart. He knew that he loved material things, and that he was it was going to be a difficult requirement for him. Um, so we see that you know he went away kind of sadly there, which we kind of take to to think that maybe he he didn't follow him after this. You know we don't know for sure, but uh, that's what that's what you're left with the impression anyway. Um, so we find out that this is no longer valid since the New Testament is now in effect, and that we've been given the full, you know, the, we've had the death of the uh, testator, which is Jesus. And so now that his, uh, now that the New Testament is fully in effect, the same answers wouldn't be given to, as it was to this rich young ruler because he was living under the old law. And I'm sure a lot of people have probably been faced with the the question of you know Jesus saved the thief on the cross and that sort of thing and uh, you know the thief on the cross was a completely unique situation number 1 Jesus had not yet died and so the death of the of the new, of the testator was not in effect and also Jesus had all power on earth to do all things so he 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 saved him there on the cross. But um, uh, if somebody uses that as their argument uh, of what the you know that you don't have to be baptized or whatnot, that's really not knowing the scriptures in a way uh, because uh, there's nobody after um, Pentecost that was saved that way. Um, so we move on. Anybody got any comments or questions? All right, brother Sam. That's right. and it is it, I mean, Right. 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 So, all we have to have all That's right. And, and we've got to be able to rightly divide the word of God, you know, too. Um, the uh, Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites. And uh, basically, when the when when Jesus died on the cross, then that law was nailed to the cross. And uh, although almost all of the uh, you know the same a lot of the same principles are there, you know, uh, but the uh, the New Testament, the Ten Commandments were not meant for us to be followed to a T like like. Uh, a lot of people think in the religious world. That's a really good point, Brother Sam. Um, so, uh, biblical answers to what must I do to be saved? Um, this is a very important question, Acts sixteen thirty, uh, that a man can ask, uh, what can, must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul, In Matthew 16, 26. And a lot of people, you know, uh, they think that the accumulating wealth is what this life is all about, especially our uh, some of our friends that don't uh, are not religious or not church-going, they just think they're... You, you get out in the business world, and you'll see that it's kind of just cutthroat. People are trying to get, accumulate things. But uh, we brought nothing into this world, and we'll take nothing out of it, according to 1 Timothy 6, verse 7. And we're all lost, Romans 3, 23, and Luke 19, 10. Uh, we've all fallen, sinned and fallen short the actions a person must take to be saved. Uh, Christ did his part. We've got to do our part. Hebrews 5, 7 through 9 talks about that. Uh, We must have a desire to be saved. We've got to take up our cross and follow Jesus. So there's action that's required. So uh, getting into the other three incidences, incidences, where there was a requirement, there was questions asked about what must I do to be saved. Uh, The the next one is on Pentecost. Um, The Jews on Pentecost, and this is Acts 2, uh, the latter part of the chapter 36 through 47, they realized that their sin of crucifying Jesus, uh, they had done that and they were told to repent. Uh, they were pricked in their hearts and they were sorry for their sins. Uh, Peter told these Jews to repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the for remission or forgiveness of your sins. And that's in verse 38. Um, they were told to repent and be baptized. Getting back to our English a little bit here. Uh, and is a is a copulative conjunction, and that means that it's joining two things together. It's repentance and baptism. You can't have one without the other. And some of our religious friends argue that uh, that uh, repent and repent and be baptized for the remission of sins means because of. And I'm sure a lot of y'all have heard this argument before. But it's the same word in, in the Greek and the English, in Matthew 26, 28. Um, this certainly does not mean that Christ shed his blood because our sins were already forgiven. He did it because our sins, uh, because we needed to and they were not forgiven. So, for does not mean because of. And uh, to say that there's a different meaning is to say that Christ shed his blood even though our sins were already forgiven. And of course, they were not. Uh, I I think it's really a stretch for somebody to have thought this. And, uh, you know, you can almost tell that somebody was already had in their mind how they were going to think about it, about salvation. And they were trying to fit what they thought around what they thought by saying this for and because of meaning the same thing. Have have y'all heard this? I'm sure y'all have heard this argument. I've heard it all my life, just about from some of our denominational friends. So... uh, You know, I don't see what's so hard. Repent and be baptized. It's just one plus one equal two. You know, it's that simple. Um, So the next incident that we we talk about here, that where someone asks, what must I do to be saved, is, uh, of course, Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul. And this account is in, there's actually, uh, uh, it's it's actually in four places in Acts. It's in Acts 9, 1 through 18, chapter 20, well, three places, Uh, 22, 10 through 16, it's also in Acts 20, 26. But we see that uh, Paul is personally confronted by Jesus, and he asks what must he do to be saved?" Jesus tells him that he must go on into into Damascus and Ananias there will uh, tell him what he needs to do to be saved. And, uh, you know, Jesus was all-powerful, omnipotent. He uh, He could have just saved him right there if it wasn't required to be baptized. But he sent him to Ananias... In Damascus and Ananias three days later, after his, uh, after he, the scales were lifted from his eyes and he became uh, able to see again, you know, he he said, "Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins." So you know, Paul had to follow the same avenue that we do to get to get saved. He did not; he was not saved on the road to Damascus. And there was uh, you know there's not a delay there uh, in the uh, baptism process. There was delay in the salvation process to get you know to where the person who was going to actually uh, do the baptizing but uh, there's some religions, for example the Baptist, they do not uh, they don't baptize until you know they get enough people to together to do that, uh, that, you know, they'll, they'll respond to the gospel, but then they'll get enough people together that uh, have been, um, you know, they, they call it already saved that they take them down and get them baptized uh, all, you know, it could be a week or two later, but that's, there's no example of that in the Bible at all. Uh, Paul was baptized immediately and baptism is always done as a sense of, of, of urgency. Uh, Jesus' uh, appearance to Saul qualified him as an as apostle, but without baptism, Paul couldn't be a Christian or an apostle. So uh, that's just how important that was that he do that. Um, the third incident that we have uh, after with the establishment of the church and with the church already being established is a Philippian jailer. And we talked about this a little bit earlier in Acts 16 uh, where he was told to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He was penitent, uh, needed more teaching to understand how to be saved So they preached to him, just as we see in Romans 10, 17. uh, talks about belief is required. And he believed, and they washed away their stripes. washed away uh, Paul and Silas' stripes. Uh, So he repented, and his whole family was immersed. Now, we get into the situation of whether his household had babies or, or underage people in it. Well the reason we know that that was not the case is you know Jesus said in Matthew 18:3 he said unless you become as a one of these little ones like the children you know a child can be in a scuffle with another child and then they'll be f- best friends a few minutes later well uh, Jesus said unless you become like that then you're not going to be saved so you know the the young the young people are innocent until they Understand the, the plan of salvation. So that, that right there would, would, you know, nullify the fact that there were babies there and that sort of thing. Household could be, you know, people of age or that knew the plan, you know, were old enough to understand the plan of salvation. So that's the, the last incident uh, that we're talked about on, on um, people who ask, what must I be, do to be saved? Um, so where there's different answers, and uh, of course the answer is no. And you know, this example uh, that, that it's given here, and I think this came from the, the, the lesson that we had a few years ago. Uh, if a person takes a 30 mile trip from point A to point D and asks at points B and C how much further he still has to go, he'll get a different answer than if if he asks at point B and still has 20 miles to go. Uh, He will receive a still different answer if he is at point C and he has 10 miles to go to get point D. So it all depends on where you are in your trip. Maybe a better example is this, uh, from Moulton to uh, Chicago is 611 miles according to Google Maps. But from Nashville it's uh to, to Chicago it's four hundred and seventy-four miles. And from Louisville to Chicago it's two hundred and ninety nine miles. So we see that you got a different answer if you ask somebody how much further you gotta go, depending on where you are, either on the highway or on the uh the the map to your salvation. So uh, so we see that um you know that's a poor argument if somebody says, well, you know, all, as, t- as Sam was saying earlier about all the steps, well, so you don't have to go through all the steps if you've already been through some of them. For example, the Jews on, on uh, Pentecost, well, they were believers in God, you know. They believed in God, and, and a lot of them probably, uh, you know, they knew Jesus. They may not believe that he was the Savior, but they knew who he was. Um, So we... um, The correlation of the 30-mile trip to the three conversions, just to spell it out, Philippian Jailer was an unbeliever, so he was first first told he must believe. Then then the word was spoken to him and all his house. And then they were baptized. And the Jews on Pentecost were already believers, so they were told to repent and be baptized for remission of sins. Saul was already a penitent believer, so he was told to be baptized and wash away his sins. So in all three examples, they heard, believed, repented, and were baptized for remission of sins, proving that God does not show partiality, and we must all follow the plan. Um, There are several New Testament conversions besides the ones we talked about. And I'm gonna quickly go through these because there's really just not enough to have another lesson here. Uh, The Corinthians, they heard, believed, repented, and were baptized. The Ephesians heard, believed, repented, and were baptized and became part of the household of God. The Colossians, they heard, believed, repented, Buried in baptism became part of the of the kingdom. Um, the Samaritans they heard, believed, and were baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch believed and was baptized. Cornelius heard, believed, repented, and was baptized. Lydia heard and was baptized. And so we see here that uh, so that there's every, Incident after in incident, either all five or most of these five that we've done are spelled out in the New Testament. And if they're inferred, if they are inferred if they're not spelled out. And I had a, just a couple of slides here on what are some of the blessings that we have as Christians. We have a new beginning uh, that we're called the uh, children of God. We have assurance of God's complete care for us, uh, promise provisions and correction. And we have providential protection, unconditional love. Uh, we're heirs of God. We are eternal heirs of salvation. Our place is reserved in heaven. And uh, we're with the, with the saved and the sanctified and void of all impurities are in heaven. Uh, there won't be any liars, deceivers, or anything like that in heaven. Um, so to conclude, the greatest inquiry we ever man ever made was, "What must I do to be saved?" And this is because it focuses on the eternal state of man's soul, and this is answered over and over again, as as Brother Sam says in the Book of Acts. And the blueprint for salvation is there, and heaven is reserved not only for those people, but for all Christians of all ages if we'll follow the blueprint. So uh, we'll leave it at that. I guess the next lesson will be, be coming up next week, probably chapter 19. Thank you for your comments, and appreciate it.